there was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right. Hey, Bob! The meatloaf! We want it now! Jawan Jennings! Jawan Jennings! Hey, guys. This is the new GoVols 24-7 podcast intro. What do you think about it, Dino Vol? Is it Dino Vol? Hey, Dino. It's either a, a dinosaur fan or an Italian guy. I'm not really sure which one. Either way, welcome to the GoVol 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker alongside Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a chilly, but not arctically chilly, Thursday night in Knoxville been a long couple of days grant ramey and i and grant ramey by the way who is not here because he is worthless hibernating and sleeping after the trip yeah he and i just got back from what was a a really long trip uh griswold family style getting in the in the car driving across this great united states this is the second time in the last few months that you've been to columbia west it has right because i drove you over there uh for the the final game of the Butch Jones era, Sad Violins. Yeah, playing. and this game... Imagine like, Sad Violins playing right now is what I'm saying. Like, this time going to Columbia, it was like, go there, watch Tennessee lose, and then you, you don't even get, like, a Butch Jones firing to, to kind of level out the, the news. Nothing good happens for Tennessee there, really. They, they've won that one game in football, and otherwise it hasn't been very did, promising. Did, did you, like, pass the point where the moment happened? Back in November, Wes. Yeah, and it was covered in snow this time. <laughs> it was so. covered in snow. It was really gray and dreary when we when we made that drive. Yeah, it was very midwesterny. It was very bright in the car, though. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, was it, it was. We were playing some some happy music. Yeah, that's right. That was the two change <laughs> road trip. I'll remember that one forever as the darn right bro road trip. But anyways, Tennessee lost that basketball game to Missouri and former Tennessee coach Conzo Martin, the 21st-ranked Vols. Had a, you know, kind of a craptastic game, but tried to rally there late. Didn't work out. They're okay. Remember, guys, before we go delve into the football here, this is college basketball, not college football. It's not like every time they lose a game, they're not a tournament team. Can we stop with that nonsense, please? It's like if the if the tournament had started last night, Tennessee would have been about a four or five seed probably. If it started today, Tennessee's probably a five or a six seed. Either way, comfortably in the tournament. So even if they go lose that game Saturday at South Carolina, and they might, they're, they're still okay. They got time to to win some more games, and they'll they'll be fine. I'm not really worried about that. But we'll have much more on that uh, stuff again next week when Ramey's worthless. But gets back in here for the for the is, podcast. Is he is he going to Ames? I think we both might be going. We're not. Are y'all driving that? We're not quite sure yet. Ooh, it, there's some logistical. Yes, as it's, that an, we're as, it's as it's difficult to get to Ames, Iowa. I would imagine that's true. <laughs> the, they're like, do you have to take a train? How do you get there? That, do you, is it like do you have to take like a horse and buggy? Like yeah. how do you how do you get to Ames, Iowa? That's one of those trips where two of you might go and one comes back. That's true. It, I remember when uh, when we were in Columbia. The closest the, there was a game at Iowa State that day. I think they were playing TCU. Maybe they were playing somebody good, and that game was closer t- to the Tennessee Missouri game in location than any other SEC game was. 
yeah. which tells you that S- that Missouri is in no way an SEC town. Yeah, and, and no disrespect to the lovely people of Ames, Iowa, but I'm really wondering how we're going to get there. And uh, will our radio work in the car when we're there? I, I don't know. It's pretty far out there. Do they have Wi-Fi? How are, y- how are y'all going to file stories? I don't know. That might be one of those areas where they think that uh, the, the 3G network is like a rap group. And they don't approve of it? Much less 4G. 4G, mm-mm, not even close. Be happy to get 3G. But we'll, we'll see there. we got some logistical things that we're working on. But anyways, that's been a long couple of days working on about mm, not too much sleep the past couple of nights. A little bit of a uh, road lag. Nonetheless, here we are. We have a Friday morning podcast to bring to you. And we're recording this one on a Thursday night here at Fort Rucker as we're watching uh, Rick Bird and his uh, beautiful Belmont basketball being played right now. I think I think just looking at that sweater vest, you can go out there and throw up a thirty foot three pointer and it's gonna go in because of Rick Bird. That's what I think. I'm a big pro- I think I might be the the president of the Rick Bird fan club. But this is a football podcast. We'll much in the way that uh, one. much in the way that Bob Shoup was the president of the Micah Abernathy fan club. That's true. That's he a was. good segue right there. It was. That is a good segue. But before we segue into that, I need to tell you that if you missed the first podcast this week, it's a good one. Uh, Ramey and I sat down for about 20 or so minutes or 25 minutes with Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes for a, a midseason uh, spectacular episode. I don't know if we really called it the midseason spectacular. I think I just made that up. But we have that one, and we'll have another Hoops podcast for you early next week as we talk more about the Vols. But this one is a football podcast because I don't know if you all know this, but Tennessee does have a football team. It didn't play in a bowl game, but it does have a football team. It does exist. And one of the best players on that football team who did not get to play a lot of football last year might be back in the fold after all. It looks like uh, one Jawan Dog Jennings has taken to Instagram. And, and Patrick, what was what was this this post? Uh, hold on, let me let me pull it up. You caught me off off. Be professional. Come on, off balance. There. Don't be distracted um, by the beautiful Rick Bird basketball. Do you want me to read it as is? Uh, try. <clears throat> all right. Well, first you of don't all, have to censor this one. So go ahead. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, this Instagram post from from Jawan on Thursday night. It's a picture of him catching a touchdown against Missouri in 2016. The caption reads, quote, Vol Nation won last season. Notice there's a space before and after the exclamation point. Support has to be there like never before. Four exclamation points. And if you're a VFL, now you see a lot of times on the internet, it's either you know someone gets the your and the your wrong, with the apostrophe, the RE, and all that. Well, Jawan spells your why you are, so he doesn't even care about the other two that people mix up. He said, if you're a VFL, ellipsis means pause, hashtag be a VFL. We don't have a sound effect for that one. Or wait, hold on, we might. We might. Let's see. But that seems to say he's a... That was the echo. Wow. <laughs> Threw you off on that one, too. Strike two. Come on. Someone driving while listening to this podcast just swerved off the road. You got to be careful. Head on a swivel. Uh, but yeah, I mean that 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 post. Uh, every all all the signs have been pointing that Jennings is going to be back at least in some capacity. Philip Fulmer kind of tipped his hand on that yeah. one when he went on Knoxville radio last week and said, uh, "You know, some, uh, mentioned put some parameters around mentioned it. putting some parameters on it." So I I don't think you start that discussion until you're pretty sure that he's coming back. Now maybe he also he the other possibility was that he maybe meant. Their parameters on what he has to do to earn his way back, but it certainly sounds like everything is pointing toward 
Juwan Jennings being back, and that's a that's a very big deal for Tennessee. Now, the thing is, is that being reinstated in January and playing next season are two very different things. That was the point I was about to make. Good and job. It, if there are parameters, and Juwan is 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 going to have to be a choir boy over the next eight yes. months. Yes, that's that's what I was going to say. This is the part of the year too. He's not being reinstated in August where you're just about to the finish line. This is the part of the year that for the for most of Juwan Jennings' career has been the struggle. It's the offseason. This is when it's hardest to keep football players in general out of trouble because they're not they don't have the structure of the season. Uh they don't have practice every day. They they are in the weight room and doing some things, but it's much much less football related stuff going on until spring practice starts anyway. So this is the time of year that you do have to make sure he is doing what he needs to do. And, and hopefully, for his sake, that happens. But obviously, it looks like he's going to be getting a second chance at Tennessee, and that is that is a big deal for a Tennessee team that is uh, obviously losing three of its best players to the NFL, leaving early in John Kelly, Rashawn Golden, and, and, and Khalil McKenzie, and, and needs all the, all the help it can get, especially on offense. And I, I think I can – I'm not going to speak for everyone here, but I'm certainly going to speak for myself – when I say that I'm glad that that he wasn't dismissed from the football program by an interim head coach who had the job for about three seconds. Yeah, this this is a popular move, I would think. Most fans didn't want him to go anyway as a result of all that. Plus, Pruitt might have looked over at the roster and been like, I think I'll take Jawan Jennings. (laughs) Hey, what did he do in the past? Question, did he ever kill anyone? And if he did, can we prove it? And do his teammates hate him? Are they going to be okay with this? Just a few of them are? All right, that's good enough. How many of them does does at least – let's see, we're going to take a vote here. All the yays. uh, Okay, that's good. That works. Perfect. Yeah, is it like a – you know, is it changing the Constitution where you got to have like what a two-thirds majority or whatever, or is it just, you know, simple majority? If you need just simple majority, no question, he's back. Or or it might just be they do a sound of the yays and nays unscientifically, and then that way the the auction – yeah. Mirror can be like, oh, I, th- I think I heard more yays. Good enough. Good enough. Welcome back to the team, Dog Jennings. So I, I hope that this works out. And, and I do hope in all seriousness that his teammates are fine with this, and I'm pretty sure they are. Uh, normally this is a bit of a business-like situation, and if a guy can help you win games, most of the time the yeah. guys will. Uh, and they've always loved his, his competitive spirit and the way he kind of fights for them while he's out there. So I, I, I think this is – I think Jawan Jennings is a kid who needs football, at least at this stage in yeah. his life, and I'm happy for him and his family if this does work out. I, I hope, to, hope to goodness it does because I, I think there are qualities about Jawan Jennings. I, I think that – it's possible that kid could grow up at some point. I think there's enough there to where you're like, I just, and that's how I am with guys who play everywhere. I, I, unless you've done something truly beyond the pale, uh, I, I'm one who believes in usually giving kids another chance. They're, they're called kids for a reason, you know, let, let them grow up. Uh, this was a, a new athletic director. This is a new uh, football coach, a new head coach with a new staff, you know, probably 30% of the team's going to be new. Let's just and let's be honest here. You can treat everybody fairly without treating everybody the same. This guy is a star. They get different treatment. It is what it is. No one likes to talk about it. No one likes to admit it. But I'm telling you now, in case you were ever naive about it, stop. Different guys get different treatment. And this guy is a star. And this is a guy who can help Tennessee win football games. And I'm just happy that a kid might get another chance. I hope that he can legitimately look at himself in the mirror and say, I need to change a little bit. I hope he does. 
But regardless, I think this is a good thing for Tennessee. Yeah, and, and in terms of how the team may take it, um, whether or not they felt that Juwan was right or wrong or indifferent about his sort of desertion most of last season, they probably didn't like the way that he was dismissed from the team. Yes. A lot um, of them did not and basically couldn't hide it. Yeah, and, and a lot of them probably maybe didn't feel as strongly as maybe Jawan suggested in his in his in, infamous uh, video rant that I remember watching while I was driving up to Johnson City for my uh, to my in-laws for Thanksgiving because yeah. it was the day before Thanksgiving that all this went down. Boy, that was one um, of those surreal moments. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of players that probably felt some of the same kind of way about the previous coaching staff. Um, and maybe they, you know, hey, that guy, <laughs> I, I, I believe him. He's right. And so – and, I think a lot to, of the things see, he said were true. Yeah, and, and there's some truth to it. You know, he shouldn't have gone about it that way, though. Correct. I mean, let's, let's, That's true. Let's call that what it is. But True. Uh, I'm sure a lot of players probably felt some of the same things that Jawan was feeling, and they probably didn't like that a coach that was an interim for only three or four days more was making the call. And so that probably didn't sit well with them, and so they're probably glad that he's going to be back. And if you're Jeremy Pruitt and, and your team wants him back, that's a good way to sort of earn – some early trust from, from the team you're inheriting. Well, I, I, I do think this is probably not, I mean, you got 85 or somewhere around 85. This team doesn't have 85 scholarship players. You got 60 something scholarship players, I guess right now. And that's yeah. a bunch of walk-ons too. It, you got a lot of guys on the team. You're going to have different opinions throughout the program. I'm sure it's not a universally approved decision if Juwan Jennings indeed has been cleared to or has been reinstated. That's true. Good luck getting 100 college-age yeah. males to agree on anything ever. Sure. Anyway. Good, I mean, the, could the three of us ever agree on anything? And, Probably not. And I'm sure there are some people who resent that, you know, there are players that have been in Tennessee's program that they might know or be friends with or whatever who have been run off or not gotten a second chance for something way less offensive than what Juwan Jennings did in, in a lot of ways. But Jennings is and Jennings I know has had multiple issues off the field in the past. Correct. The 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 incident back in the fall is hardly the only thing he's done wrong at Tennessee. So he's had a lot of chances and that's he has. um that that's the thing that I mean I, that's why I'm sure some people on the team might not love this d- decision or might not might be a little hesitant to say yeah just give him another chance it'll be fine. But the reason I think to be optimistic about this is Clearly, there was some sort of lack of respect on some level, at least, for between Butch Jones and Juwan Jennings, where Juwan Jennings did not respect everything Butch Jones said to him. And, and, and I think there were a tremendous amount of players on that team who felt the way Juwan yeah. Jennings did. And I think the problem, I don't, I, you maybe could call it a problem, but I think the difference with Juwan and a lot of those other guys. I don't think Jawan Jennings cares who you are. If he does not respect you and you rub him the wrong way, he is going to get in your face and he is going to tell you that. That's just how he is. He just, you know, I don't necessarily think that's always wrong. And now there's a way to go about it and he went about it the wrong way. But a lot of guys on this team, and how many, how many guys sit there in that situation and they go, man, this coach is – you know, being this way about this and, you know, nobody likes this, respects this and, you know, but a lot of guys won't say anything. There were a lot of guys, and I mean a lot of guys on that team. I know a few for sure who wish that, that Jawan Jennings had gone about it differently, but did not disagree with what he said. Just did not. Yeah. Plain did not disagree. And I think a lot of them kind of felt like, 
You know, like, yeah, that guy's taking one for the team there. That's like, uh, you know, the Jerry Maguire moment where all the other agents are like, yeah, yeah, I can see what he's doing. I'm not going to follow him, but, but yeah, yeah, I respect what you're doing here. He could have gone about it better, but I've said this before. I'll say it again. I have seen worse things. I have heard worse things. I have seen kids do dumber things than that, and they have grown from it, and they have been okay. I thought at the time he should have been suspended indefinitely. I think that I'm glad that that they're at least giving this some serious consideration, and I hope, hope that he walks in a straight line from this point forward because he is just a just a really really gifted athlete who is maybe not the just got some of that sea biscuit in him. He's just always as good as he needs to be. He's not a burner, but he's big, he's strong, he's, he's athletic, he'll go get the ball, he's fearless. There's just a lot of qualities that he has as a football player that I really, really like. Well, well, and, and, and yeah, the point I was going to make too is not – it's not just that he's getting a second chance that, you know, and, and he knows he needs to stay in line this time that makes you feel better about that. It's that there is a different head coach in place and that maybe – a head coach who manages him better and that has a more a relationship more built on trust and respect with him from the beginning. If Jeremy Pruitt can manage that, um, there's a chance it could work out a lot better. I, I just think clearly Juwan Jennings had reached a point where he was just doing whatever he wanted almost. I mean, wasn't coming around the team after his injury. We know wasn't, you know, just, just basically went AWOL. There was, there was a time during preseason camp where he reportedly was a no show at the, at the complex. So there's, there's things that have happened in the past that just clearly showed there wasn't enough respect between Jennings and and the previous staff. You would hope Tennessee's new staff will have a better handle on things. I think they will. And if they can do that, I think there's a better chance Juwan Jennings does stay in line. So that's that, that's got to give you hope this time around. And and yeah, the fact that he knows he's got to he's got to do what he's got to do, or he might not get a chance in the NFL. And that's you would hope that's the motivation at this point. Are you suggesting that the previous staff didn't know how to handle some players? No, never. You'd never suggest something like that. Never. Shocked. Stunned. Ask me about the run game, Patrick. Stunned. Uh, who's going to be throwing Juwan the ball next season if he gets there? You know what? You need to be careful with your segues here. I don't. I didn't well, want to do it prematurely. Well, but before we get to that, I did want to touch on this. The, the Jennings deal, it's a big deal, not just because Jennings is good, obviously, but you know, we don't know how many receivers Tennessee is going to be able to add in this 2018 recruiting class. That was a position where you needed more depth there. And losing one to defense. I was going to say, and you're, and you're considering at least moving Tyler Bird to, to defense. So if indeed that's happening, Jennings, maybe Jennings' return allows you to make that move in some ways or gives you the flexibility to because you're not really deep at corner. You're not really deep at receiver. You need, you need guys at both positions. And, uh, and Jennings returning not only gives you a likely starter if he can do what he needs to do on and off the field, but – Gives you a lot more flexibility in terms of depth. This is the sheet of paper that says when we're going to segue. It doesn't really say that. I determine when <laughs> I we're going to segue. I, I say there are no times written on that. I, so. I just found this piece of paper that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but speaking of, uh, as Patrick so eloquently said, the the people who may or may not be throwing Jawan Dog Jennings the football. We know who one. We know one who won't be. That is uh, Quentin storming the beaches of Dormandy. By the way, uh, I guess now it doesn't matter that no one ever really knew how to spell his name because Quentin Dormady is now no longer a uh, – well, he's still a student at the University of Tennessee, but the the junior, I guess senior-to-be quarterback is uh, not going to finish his career at Tennessee. He said, uh, posted on the Twitters that he is going to go uh, and look elsewhere to, to complete his career, be a postgraduate player. He'll be eligible to play immediately. Uh, Dormady's always been a class act. I wish they could nothing but the best, and I, I think it's unfortunate that 
we never really got to see him be healthy uh, because he did not get to play a single snap last season healthy, and uh, that's just how it was. His shoulder was banged up, and when you're a quarterback who's primarily a thrower and your throwing arm is jacked up, you're going to have some problems. I think that may have been why he was tentative with the ball at times. I think that's why he couldn't. Uh, put the ball exactly where he wanted to all the time. Uh, but you know what? Uh, credit to him. He didn't make an excuse out of it. He tried to play through it before. It just wasn't possible. And uh, he is going to go play elsewhere. And I hope he does well because I like the kid. Well, so about that not being possible, I, that, I think the decision to have that surgery, because we were there was some talk at the time that that surgery might have been more optional for Dormady. Correct. But regardless, it, he needed to be shut down. Maybe. I mean, he could have. Put, so? Yeah, I think he maybe could have played through it. The problem was he never looked like himself throwing the ball, though. He really no, did. and that's fair. Um, I think what he knew was that it needed to be addressed sooner or later, and that if he waited to do it in the off season, it knocks you out for longer. And that's fair. Having it in the fall, and, and at that point of the season, it was late October. He needed to make the best decision was, for him. Yeah, it was a lost season. Tennessee it looked was going like nowhere. It looked like Tennessee had switched to Jarrett Garantano and was unlikely to move back to him. So he he saw the writing on the wall and and I think decided. And I think some people in the program weren't thrilled about it because it left them with no other option besides Will McBride on scholarship, um, but decided for his future he needed to go ahead and have that surgery so that he would be ready to go this year. But what that surgery did was eliminate the possibility of him competing for the job in spring practice. Yeah. And he has to be a graduate. To be a graduate transfer, he has to leave after the spring. He can't stick around until the fall, see how preseason practice works out. Then you would lose the ability to transfer and play immediately he would have to sit out a year because he would be sticking around and for the And why fall. would it be such a bad thing to sit out a year, though? If you're a guy who has well, that year and you want to learn the system of where you're going, I... If you're a quarterback, though, I mean... And technically, he could go somewhere. And, I mean, he still has his redshirt year, right? He so, does, yeah. So he could go somewhere he could and do that and not start and, right away. Yeah, yeah, and be there for two years. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, if you're making a move like this, you're making it to go play next year. Now, the thing is, it, it, now do that you, you have this... Do you want to do that, though? Do you want to go yeah. somewhere like in May or June and then have to learn the offense in three months and then go start? Like I think that? when I, you're when you're that confident in your ability, and most quarterbacks these days are, the idea is go somewhere you can start right away and then get to the NFL as quickly as possible so you can make money for as long as possible. That's the idea. And if someone tells me, and I'll say this in, 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 in fairness to Dormady, if, someone, if a coach tells me we need you to start this year, uh, that's all well and good, and you probably will get that opportunity because most coaches won't just completely 100% lie to your face. However, if a coach says, oh, there's no, we, we have to start you next year, a whole lot of things can happen in that 13- or 14-month period, and a guy could come out of nowhere and be a guy that, that, that was not going to be a big-time player somewhere, but then he, they, they throw him in there because they have to, and he ends up being a you know, Tom Brady, where'd this guy come from, sure. star, and, and all of a sudden y- y- you're going to go to the Division II level or something for your final season. So I, I get it from that standpoint. What I don't get is why you would want to go somewhere in as a quarterback, you want to go somewhere in May, June, and then pick up an entire offense in a couple months, get to know all of your receivers in a couple months, and then go play at at, at the FBS level. I, I don't know that I think I just don't know if that's a good idea. This is just the this is the new world of college football that we're in. We we've seen it with wasn't Malik Zaire a summer enrollee at Florida? I can't remember if he had transferred in January or in the spring. I, I think he was a spring guy. I don't think he was a January guy. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he wasn't a January guy. Yeah, so I, so you're, you're seeing this more and more. It's it's going to happen with a number and that of quarterbacks. Worked out really really well for Malik no, Zaire. I was going to say he picked and Florida's a, entire offense he actually. P- he picked a situation where he actually had a good bit of competition. There were two or three other guys legitimately in the mix there, and he was hardly guaranteed a starting job. I think and that, for an offense that sucked. That too, and it shows you the importance of. Picking a spot where you 
don't have as much competition, have a much clearer path to the starting job. Brady White at Arizona State has just announced he's transferring to Memphis, and he's got a pretty clear path to a starting job there. He's going to have a little bit of competition, but they just lost Riley Ferguson. There's a chance to step in right away and, VFL. and play this coming season. So I think Quentin Dormy's looking for a situation like that, and more and more we're seeing schools rely on these graduate transfers. We're seeing Tennessee kind of kick the tires on graduate transfer quarterbacks and offensive linemen even um, to, to try to find yeah. some immediate starters or, or at least potential starters at those positions. For me, w- w- with Dormady, it was – I get the timing of the situation meeting right now. We we'd sort of – there have been sort of rumblings that this might be something that he might do, uh, whether, or not did, he, whether, whether or not he maybe got his degree maybe December even. Yeah. Uh, we didn't know exactly how close he was. Uh, you remember he he got here early, mm-hmm. so he he started his career in I guess it would have been January of fifteen, so he's finishing it in a little more than three, three years, three and a half years. So basically. that's that's pretty standard. But I mean, you look at it from his perspective, you're not going to be healthy in the spring. You've got a new coaching staff now. Yes, you you may be a pretty good fit for what Tennessee wants to do in terms of this this offense that they're going to be kind of going away from a spread offense to a little bit more of a of a pro style deal, but. At the same time, you you weren't gonna be able to throw in the spring, so you were gonna be behind, you know. You, and if you knew that going yeah. in, why wouldn't you have done this in December? I mean, if you knew the whole time, you knew there was a coaching change in Tennessee coming. You knew that you I mean, weren't gonna be able to impress the new staff by throwing the ball. You didn't have around. to graduate. You didn't have your degree. Yeah, that's you got to finish this spring. So that's why he's. I mean, he's announced it now, which is earlier than he had and, to. And the same thing for Venzel Bulware while we're talking yeah. about it, because he's gonna he's gonna finish out. Not fair. Yeah, he's so, gonna he's gonna finish out and then be. Yep. Immediately eligible at Miami when he transfers. I, I'd, I'd been hearing this as a possibility. I, I'm still surprised that the Bullware wouldn't have have given more thought to having to, to staying around. It's and, really interesting. He would, start, he would be a starter. That's just a clear path. It's like, bro, you pick. Where do you want to play in the interior? You can pick it. Where you know what? Trey Smith's going to get first dibs, and then after that, kid, where do you want to go? You, you can have play anywhere. Center? Yeah. Do you want you want to snap it? Hey, you want to go try to play right tackle? Have at it, soldier. Give it a give it a whirl. I mean, to me, it's like. Uh, you're going uh, – you, maybe you want a fresh start. Maybe that's a place you wanted to go to when you were a kid and, yeah. and you're, you're fulfilling a dream. I don't no. know. Maybe you have some friends on that team. Maybe you know some coaches. But that to me was like, guy, you want to put film against SEC def- defenses all season? You can have all all of the film, all the snaps that you want if you're healthy? I just – I don't know about I, that. I thought – I mean, yeah – once he decided to leave, I think it was just hard for him to consider coming back, even with a new staff, because I think he had there was enough frustration. Awkward. Awkward. Well, just enough frustration on on his end. His family, I think, was a big factor too. Just they and you fe- can say the same thing about Dormady too, because yeah. I mean, he, they, he's been rumored to be like halfway out the door, yeah, more than once, and and even back in October during the open date when they went to Garantano, mm-hmm. the week of the South Carolina game, I mean, Dormady had one foot out the door. He was yeah. he, he was coaxed into returning. Yes, he was coaxed into returning. So at that point, he in his mind and probably in his family's mind, they were done with Tennessee, regardless yeah. of what the situation Just was. Felt manipulated even, almost. Don't didn't even want to like sit around. Didn't even want to stay around to see what a new coaching staff would be. Now, if they brought in somebody like Chip Kelly, okay, maybe you'd stick around. But and that's, you want to go somewhere where you can pick the coach and not where a new coach picks you. Exactly. Right? And yeah. so that's that's you know that's clearly I think for some of these guys, they probably got to the point where. For whatever reason, they had soured on Tennessee. Now, the reason is probably the coaching staff, and that that brings me to sort of to this is that is this a segue or just no, 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 point? it's not a segue. It's just sort of my thought that you know we never got to see Dormity healthy, and we never got to see 
This goes for Garantano, too. We never got to see a quarterback situation that was handled correctly. Yeah. Because Tennessee never at any point handled their two quarterbacks the right way. Yeah. At no point <laughs> between just... But they, but they provided a lot of examples on for coaches on how not to do it. I mean, just like the whole thing from having, you know, Dormady's fiance's father on the sideline and traveling with the team, that's not a good look. From telling both guys, you know, you can't start both of them. And, you know, you tell Garantano he's going to play in the Georgia Tech game, then you don't play him, and then you force it against yeah, Indiana State. Trying to finesse the whole situation, never naming a starter before the yeah, season. It, when everybody knew it was going to be Dormany. Yeah. It's just it wasn't – it was it was mishandled from the jump. But here's the, here's the flip side, though. If they handle it differently, maybe Garantano leaves before last season ever starts, and then – this thing's looking entirely different in dormant. Yeah, maybe but I mean, leaving. that's that's a whole other podcast yeah. another time. But now that's, you know, I, I wrote something on, on Garantano this week, and he should benefit, first of all, from having a guy in Tyson Helton that's coached Sam Darnold and Brandon Dowdy the past four years. Mm-hmm. And Joe and, Webb, too. And Joe Webb, yeah. And, and, and Dowdy, if you look at his numbers, he made a really big jump from 2013 to 2014. I don't, you, I don't think you can put that all on Helton. Certainly you could put it on Jeff Brom, maybe a little bit, too, in his offense. Yeah. Um, but you're going, you know, you should get better quarterback coaching and you should be playing for a staff that has no like previous knowledge of what happened before they got here. But, and but, so that but should help them coach with less Twitter game. That's true. Hashtag picks, picks up, right? Yeah. Shout out, up. To, shout out to Chico Canales. Yeah. Is that, is that really what you want to be saying? If you're a quarterback, like picks up, like uh, that's bad, right? Uh, that means you just threw it to the other team. Uh, our, our esteemed colleague, Grant Ramey has um, just pointed out that all, all, all Mike Canales did when he went from Tennessee to UTEP was like switch pullovers at the Atlanta airport. Basically, yeah. <laughs> still, it was kind switch of the bags. Same, it's kind of the same color. It's like you can still just wear some he's orange. The same, he's okay. the same fast talking quarterbacks coach. But that that just I I think and a lot of people are down on Garantano and don't think he was great. Now he didn't show he didn't you know run away with the job for this season with what he did last season. But I thought I thought he offered plenty of upside. And if you get him the right coach and put him in the right situation. There's plenty of things to build on there, and you can have a pretty good quarterback. And he's clearly the favorite for the job. Yes, and I think now he what, has to go earn it. Yes. Yeah. He's still, I, think, I think he was the favorite even if Dormady had stayed. Now, I know Danny Parker has made it clear <laughs> in our text messages, our group text, that he disagrees with that. He thought Dormady had a really good shot at winning the job. Roast beef. I think coming back in August and competing for the job, it would have been tough. And that's far from a guarantee, whereas Dormady can kind of handpick his situation by leaving. Now he can go to a spot where it's, way less than a coin flip that he's or way better than a coin flip that he's going to start. And, uh, and it's a, it's a better, a clearer path to at least playing your way into the NFL. And that's what quarterbacks are all looking for. That's why they move around more than ever now. And it's a transfer culture at that position. So not surprising that it happened. Um, I guess better for Tennessee that they know now, instead of finding this out at the end of the spring, because now Tennessee can, if they want to and feel the need to, and it looks like they are at least interested in adding help. Ryan is segueing right now. Wes, is he allowed to? Well, I would just point out now they can at least look <laughs> in the graduate transfer sure. market and in the transfer Be- market because, to see what they can get. Because right now you're looking at having three scholarship guys yeah. and only two for the spring and Garantano, Will McBride. Well, and not just that, but we don't know what this staff thinks of Will McBride, really. We don't know. They might not think he's a great fit for what they do. He, so he, they, they may look at it as Garantano and Shrout are the only guys that are legitimately contenders for the job in their minds for all we know. I mean, and, I, and when you think of a lot of questions we got back shortly after the coaching change was, Who's going to be a fit on the offense? Who's going to be a fit on the defense? Well, the quarterbacks, I think McBride might be the most likely to not fit. Yeah, I would because, agree with that. Because Garantano is... The thrill fits everywhere. Okay, fair enough. Um, the thing with Garantano is I that, like his game, by the way. I just don't know that he's a perfect fit for this system. He's a better spread quarterback. Yeah. 
where Garantano can translate because he can throw the ball really well. It was telling that Memphis and Tennessee were the two schools in yeah. the end that he was choosing. That's that's kind of the offense he fit in. Yeah, and I mean, Dormady would have fit in this offense because he can throw the ball. McBride's arm, I was never really all that wild by it. Now, he had some pretty good throws when he got in, got into some games. But you could tell even just watching them in practice because that's pretty much all we got to watch was him throwing on air. Just the way that the ball jumps out of their hands. Yeah, Wes, I, Wes I, is disagreeing with me over there, but I, I just I just think Dormady and Garantano are on another on another level. And from what I've heard about this offense, they want to have a physical run game, but they also want to push the ball down the field when they have the chance. Mm-hmm. Oh, and no, I don't know Garantano, if McBride can Garantano do that. Garantano can throw a ball over the mountains over there. I mean, he's got it. I'd he, take it he, state. He'd have taken state, no problem. He can throw it. He can throw it hard. He he can spin it really pretty. But you know, he's got to prove that he can do it. Uh, against live bullets and in those situations and consistently and get, and get and see the field faster. There's a lot of things he's got to do. That's that's the big key. Uh, seeing I'll, things I'll, faster. I'll put it this way: if I, if I were a quarterback prospect coming to Tennessee, I would not be intimidated. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I would be. Now, hey, maybe maybe this new staff, uh, which now looks like it may be a complete staff, maybe it'll make maybe it'll make the new quarterback whoever it is look like Joe Montana we'll see but Joe Montana if you're if you're the the staff Joe Montana is that the guy from Scarface you would have loved to at least had the option of seeing Dormady this spring before he transferred it's unfortunate the shoulder surgery worked out the way it did because if Dormady was the better fit one of the prettier arms I've seen in a while and if they did and if they did really like him and remember I mean Pruitt wasn't an offensive coach at Alabama but Alabama really liked him and offered him and that's who it came down to in the end was Tennessee and Alabama so he's obviously a fit for that type of system that they want to run at Tennessee you know, if it would have worked out, it would have been really interesting to see how that battle played out and whether Dormady looked better, you know, when, when we know he was never really 100% last season. So basically for, for Dormady, you look back on your time at Tennessee and it comes down to a terribly timed injury. And sometimes that's what a quarterback's luck can come down to. But he gets hurt going into the season, never quite right going into the year. And then it just sort of leads to this whole scenario where he's got to transfer to to have a well-timed opportunity at another school. You know, speaking of, uh, you know, here, well, it's, it's, I'll segue it right now. Uh, Tennessee's coaching staff uh, might be complete now. Now, again, they gotta, you know, they gotta, they gotta dot all the I's, cross all the T's, make sure all the contract stuff's in order. But uh, it looks like Tennessee has completed its coaching staff, and still w- no confirmation from Tennessee with a guy whose name sounds like one that was issued in the witness protection program, which is David Johnson, or the Arizona Cardinals running back. Or the guy who covers Ole Miss for twenty four seven sports. Exactly. So <laughs> what I'm saying is, this guy's got to be like I don't know what your middle name is, but you're you're David R. Johnson or David yeah. S. Johnson. If, if, this if is. If you're looking for him on Twitter, it's Yak Johnson. Yak, Co- of course, Co- being Coach yards. Yak Johnson. Why, yeah. Just go by Yak Johnson. That's a that is yards after catch Johnson. That is yeah. marketing one hundred and one right there. Yeah. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm Yak Johnson. What's up? I, I spoke with Jonah Jordan, the guy who covers uh, Memphis for for twenty four seven sports uh, Memphis site. He he said that that. It, that's not just a Twitter name. It's because, at, at least at Memphis, he went by Coach Yak. So be prepared for that. You might hear players refer to him Why is as that Coach not Yak, just his, especially his recruiting, name. especially yeah. recruits too. Just have that be his name. Just and don't even make it like a like a lowercase a and c. Just all caps Yak. So like, what's your name? Yak. Not 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 the not the animal. Let, let's let's say this though. He's inheriting a bunch that's not really good at Yak. So yeah. he, they need. But to, he also. Took Anthony Miller, who was a he nobody. Did. Yeah, and has made and him is uh, about to get paid. They yep, call the me NFL. Possession Receiver Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, M- uh, Memphis not was not quite in, the same ring to it. Is no, it? it's not as quite as it got. I mean, Memphis Hands. was in the top fifteen the past two years. I'm trying to stay on topic here, Wes. I'm like, I'd man. appreciate it if you could also stay on topic. <laughs> he is not Wes on topic, Rucker. That is uh, for sure. 
it, it, you know, like I said, okay. Memphis was in the top 15 the past two years in, in passing offense. And obviously, Riley Ferguson was a big reason why, but, you know, he's got to have somebody catching the ball. And so those receivers are playing pretty well. Uh, you're going to get some serious recruiting ties to Louisiana uh, with Johnson, who's a New Orleans native. Yeah, we've already seen that, really. Tennessee had a couple of Louisiana guys in town last weekend. Michael Williams, the three-star athlete from Baton Rouge, and then um, and then three-star cornerback Eddie Smith. And we asked both guys about them, and they said, yeah, they, they were familiar with him just from his ties to Louisiana. And that's that's not because they had met him over the weekend. They already knew about him. So at least a guy who has enough ties there that I think it will give Tennessee a little bit of a boost there. So it adds to the theme of this staff, which is recruiting, 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 it seems to be. And um, and you had a guy with some a little bit of Memphis ties too, which this staff, for all it does have in recruiting, didn't have a lot of deep ties in the state of Tennessee. I don't think you get deep ties in Memphis from hiring David Johnson, but the fact that he's at least been there for Yak, a couple years, yeah, Johnson has a name that's that's going to carry some weight in that city. Maybe that that helps a little bit too that that you want to recruit there a little bit more in Memphis. Plus, you're getting a guy that LSU wanted last year, yeah, and then you're getting a guy that Georgia also wanted this year. And if those are you know if those kinds of programs are or wanting the guy that you're wanting, that's a good time. Yeah, everybody be knowing Yak. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so yeah, can I mean, we call, can we just call? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I don't think I'm ever going to call him David Johnson. I just decided right now. Just Yak Yon, Yak Johnson. Just Yak. You be like, are, is it is it Yak Johnson or Yak Yak Johnson? We'll, well have to bring on, sound, if it's we'll Johnson, on, he sounds Swedish. We'll have to bring on Jakob Johnson here to 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 talk about it on the podcast. Um, and we should point out that he is also without hair, much like the rest of the staff. <laughs> that's true. They're saving so much money on those shampoo bills. Oh, yeah. There's just, like, nothing. Just use the whole, like, body wash. You're good to go. Adds, just need soap. That's it. Adds to the pork rinds budget, right? That's true. According to that post on the checkerboard this week. They all drive pickup trucks. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> They're luxury SUVs with this coaches. Pert was like, hey, uh, can I get a state-issued tractor? <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's – that's. I'm just I'm just saying. But th- that's what – I mean, this this – the offensive staff is interesting because you break down the defensive staff, and it they, they like – Easy connections to Jeremy Pruitt, and, they're, yep. and that's the way it's going to be because, as a defensive coach, that's going to be his baby. He's going to want that defense to be in his image, yep. so to speak. And all the coaches that he's hired on the defensive side of the ball, save for Terry Fair, who is sort of a VFL. He, he feels the VFL guy. He's the VFL guy on the staff. Um, is that in his title? Maybe. Maybe he's gonna do. Maybe he's gonna be the VFL coordinator. As Corner, well. Cornerbacks coach. Slash, VFL slash VFL VFL coordinator. Guy. VFL guy. Um, th- he's gonna want that defense to be run and, and coached by guys that he knows what they. Co- you know, he knows their their philosophies and he knows how they are and he knows how they're wired and he, he's worked with Tracy Rocker. He's worked with Kevin Shear. Uh, he's worked with Chris Rump. He's worked with Charles Kelly. He's worked with all these guys and so that's why you know that, on the offensive side of the ball it's a little bit less like that. Doesn't have any direct ties to Tyson Allen. He's known him for a while. He's never coached with him. and it's a, He has coached with Will Friend, the offensive line coach. Yeah. He has worked with Brian Edemeyer, who we believe is going to be the coaching tight ends. Mm-hmm. But he's never worked with Johnson, and he's never worked with Robert Gillespie. Mystery man. And you, it, got, you got Yak and the mystery man on offense. And it's a little bit less experienced overall as a staff on the offensive side yeah. of the ball. So I think you've got some, you got some questions there. I mean, look, But you, you've also got two guys that have coached in the SEC before, yeah. Gillespie and Friend. And mm-hmm. you've got a guy that a lot of people in the SEC have wanted in, in Yak. <laughs> and, well and, and and you know I've, I've heard that helton has a really good reputation yeah. in this part of the country right uh, among the coaching community and some people think he's one of, maybe not the next big thing but a you know an up-and-comer in this in this profession and he and Pruitt go back several years so yeah that that is a 
it, it is a staff that still makes sense, but I, I do think there are, there are a few more questions about that side of the ball. But I think David Johnson, that that was a big addition because you wondered where they would go after missing out on Brian McClendon, South Yuck. Carolina, and to be able to <laughs> to be able to go to Coach Yak, uh, to David Johnson to fill out that staff. I think that's a that's a nice addition and and, and definitely helps even more in recruiting uh, to, to add to what they already had. Are you now that you've mentioned recruiting? Like Speaking of recruiting, six times in a row, are you trying to hold on, hold on? Remember, we, if you're still with us, we do have uh, reader mail at the end. That's true. But for the next couple minutes, uh, Ryan's going to talk about recruiting, and I'm going to uh, change the station and find an, a different basketball. I was going to say Wes is going to like reorganize his contacts in his phone or something while I talk recruiting. Reorganize hey, his hey, hey, He's recruit- actually going to leave the room. Recruiting pays them bills, man. I'm good with it. More <laughs> but, recruiting, the better. All get all the recruits. Well, so uh, obviously, big visit weekend last weekend. They had 10 visitors in town, and one of them, uh, by the time this podcast uh, is is loaded and, and for pe- able for people to listen to uh, on, on Friday morning, Tennessee might be getting close to a, adding a commitment. Um, Jordan Young, a wide receiver that nobody knew anything about. Go watch his film. About eight days ago. Go uh, watch his film. Film don't lie. Yeah, after visiting Tennessee and getting an offer on Sunday, has, has basically indicated to us all week uh, that he was preparing to commit to Tennessee on Friday. We'll see if that if that turns out that way. He's, he's certainly going to get more attention now after 24-7 Sports released its final version of the top 247 for the, uh, the 2018 class. And the guy who was unrated before vaulted up to number 190 overall in the how, country. How does that happen? How does a guy, he, he, we were talking about this before we started recording and this guy had his, his best offer was coastal Carolina. That was his only FCS offer. F- they're aside from that they're is, FBS now. That's are they the Chanticleers the are Sh- FBS now. The Chanticleers have moved up. Yes. They're in the, are they, they're in the are, they are they in are they in the transition phase? Or uh, they I think they fledged? probably still. I think they still probably are in the transition. Yeah, phase. yeah, they're probably going to be fun belt though, right? I mean, because when I don't know where yeah, they're playing the conf- fun belt schedule, when, I have a rule when when you're FBS and I don't know which conference you play in, you play in the Sun Belt. That's so, my rule. So so yeah, so Coastal Carolina and then two Division two schools, Valdosta State and West Virginia State, were his only offers before Tennessee hosted him. And you look Ooh. at his film; Ooh. it took me about two or three plays to look at his film and say. Okay, what's the deal here? Like, there's there's clearly a catch. He he must have no chance of qualifying or something, and or he they, must have have a have a body count. Yeah, I mean, there there's got to be a catch, and, and then scratched I, off serial numbers. And I think Tennessee probably when they've it, it sounds like when they started looking into it was kind of like, what are we missing here? And then they hosted him on campus. The visit went well. His academics check out. It looks like he he acted like he had some some academic concerns, maybe minor concerns at one point, but. I think the bigger issue that held back his recruitment, he was a good athlete. He's a state champion in Class 6A in Georgia in the 110 hurdles, so he's clearly a good athlete. Claims to run a, a 4.43, 4.46, somewhere in that range, so good speed, good leaping ability. As you see on his film, he goes up and makes some catches over people in, in certain situations. So he's a good athlete, but he had 200-something yards receiving as a junior, so it really was just a breakout senior year. And probably never did any of the He's, camps. He said he never went that. to camps and all that, so no one really had a chance to know much about him until this fall. And so he breaks Question, out. Can we make fun of Rusty for not figuring – Rusty Manziel, <laughs> our good friend, G, uh, FOP Rusty Manziel, for, for not 
spot in this one sooner. Well, I mean, he's in the. I know there's like a million and a half kids. In, Rusty in was distracted by Georgia's amazing season. Rusty, well, Rusty and there's about, a, come on, man. Why are y'all giving me a hard time about that? And, and there are a million guys in the Atlanta metro area too. And this is Conyers. Uh, the Rusty's one of the best in the business. By the way, Conyers is kind of the, I guess maybe the, sort of the, the less populated corner of the, or one of the less populated corners of the Atlanta metro area, the southeast corner. You know, most of the the suburbs in the northeast corner are where you know. Duluth and Buford, all that area. Alpharetta. Alpharetta. That's where a lot of the talent is in a lot of cases. And, you know, Grayson is is not far from that area. So Stone Mountain. Stone right? Stone Mountain. That that's a little bit more to the east. But yeah, so you've got you got a bunch of different places in Georgia. You got to cover that whole Atlanta area. And it takes multiple guys sometimes to cover the Atlanta area. And so this is a maybe a little bit lighter recruited school. The school wasn't known for putting out a lot of players. And then Tennessee hosts two of them on visits. Offers them both last weekend. The other one, Karat Garland, uh, a defensive end. Not sure he's quite as high of a, a say priority. That name, say, that, say that name one more time. Karat Garland. Okay. Uh, and and not is just it, is it spelled like carrot? Uh, no, K U R O T T. Okay. And uh, and you can tell how much West Pace is. You sure? Yeah. You sure? Are you sure it's not pronounced carrot? It's K U. So yeah, definitely. I, I'm just ask, I'm just asking. Yeah, don't don't think that's it's Karat um, and Yak. Karat and Yak. So anyway, so they host both those guys. They offer them both. Uh, Garland maybe not quite as high of a priority as Young. Who, I think Young's the kind of player they looked at, and you know they're recruiting Jacob Copeland and other receivers, obviously. But I think they just looked at him and said he's just too good to pass up. So it looks like all all systems are go for him to to commit to Tennessee as long as he follows through on that plan. Or, and, or he wants to go to West Virginia State. It's a tough call, and uh, it, and yeah, we'll d- see. The last few days though. Auburn, Ohio State, some other schools have kind of inquired. So we'll see down the stretch if he adds more offers. He's made it sound to me when I've asked about that, you know, if more offers come in, will it change your mind or anything? And he's made it sound like he's pretty sold on Tennessee. So we'll see if that changes. But the recruiting process literally in some ways has just started for him a week ago. And he's he's going to maybe have an accelerated process these last couple of weeks to see if other schools kind of try to steal him away from Tennessee. Reminds me of the time that, that Tennessee stole a, a – tight end from the West Coast from Azusa Pacific in the one and only Woody Quinn. Uh, am, I, am I remembering that right? That, you're mixing two stories, I believe. Ah, it. So there was uh, – I'm trying to remember now who Woody Quinn considered besides Tennessee. It wasn't a very big school. The former they, volleyball player. Yeah, I think they may have – there may have been one other FBS school in there. So I think you're thinking about the offensive lineman they lost to Azusa Pacific. Oh. I'm trying to remember his name now, and it's uh, it's – it's eluding me at the moment. I'll find that. But somebody he, in the thread will point this out. Yeah, he took an official visit to Tennessee a couple of years ago, and I think was sort of scared off by just how big of a school Cody Clay. Cody Clay is his name. Uh, he was he was from a junior college, and Azusa Pacific was kind of just a a more comfortable place. I think they. Uh, He's a very spiritual kid, and I think that that played more into his comfort All right. zone. All right, I didn't mean to get you off on yeah, the Yeah, so anyway, that was, a, that was a weird deal. Not the same deal as Woody Quinn, but yeah, similar. <laughs> I just looked at West Virginia State's football stadium. <laughs> Smaller than some high school stadiums, I think right? Knoxville Catholics might be bigger. <laughs> There's a chance. What's their nickname? Uh, the Yellow Jackets. Oh, that's pretty standard. Don't get stung. Are they yeah. like are they like uh, Kingston High School out here, where they're they're called the Yellow Jackets, and their colors are bl- blue orange. and orange? Orange, yeah. It looks to be. What are they? If you're a yellow jacket, you can only be one color. <laughs> There's not really enough fans in this picture to for me to tell what color <laughs> they wear, which is not good because your stadium's pretty small. But 
Um, uh, I'm I'm gonna recharge on it real quick. Uh, so Ryan, talk more. So, so more recruiting. Who we go got back coming to recruiting? In, okay, who, who's Tennessee got coming yeah, in? Yeah. So week? anyway, so Jordan Young has popped up. He's a four-star receiver now, and Tennessee looks poised to add him, even though they've got other receivers uh, on, on the on the board. It's that not they're like still they recruiting. don't need receivers. Yeah, and, and as as we talked about, even even with Jawan Jennings, you still need help there, and he's just a guy I think they feel is too good to pass up. So we'll see where it goes from here. But Tennessee in good shape right now. Uh, they're hosting another handful of visitors this weekend. Uh, the the headliner from that group uh in a lot of ways maybe two guys nico hall is a three-star safety from california who's a big priority for tennessee and, and looks like one of their best bets of adding a safety down the stretch uh and then john mincy a three-star defensive end from georgia who just decommitted from arkansas last week uh tennessee gets the first visit after that and i think they're they've got a real shot at him as we we, we look at Malik Langham is one of their best bets of adding a, a defensive end down the stretch. Well, he's visiting Alabama this weekend. That's a really big visit. Langham also, uh, talking about the final top 247, just jumped, I believe, 700 spots in 24 700? He was in the 900 range, I believe, and now is 222 or somewhere did around Did he have like there. 800 sacks this season or he something? He did not, but he is – I mean, he Tennessee was always interested in him. The former staff was heavily involved, hosted him multiple times. He just was not – he was just a kind of a mid-tier three-star player and, and had some good offers, but just – People weren't sure how high of a priority he was. Now Alabama's kind of gone all in. Auburn, some other schools have pushed for him. Vanderbilt, oddly enough, still a, a, a major contender there. So so not knowing where Tennessee is with Langham, Mincy might be their best bet of adding a defensive end here down the stretch. So that one's become important. Uh, and then a guy that's maybe a long shot, a couple of guys that are maybe long shots for Tennessee, but Dylan Wanham, a four-star offensive tackle from Tucker, Georgia, whose older brother, DJ Wanham, plays at South Carolina. So you had have a good to, season yeah. this year. Had a good season. So you have to assume South Carolina is the favorite there, and most people do. Uh, and he will go there next week on his final official, it sounds like, or at least as of right now, it's his final one. And then Treshawn Harrison, an interesting four-star athlete from Seattle that obviously has never been to Tennessee as far as we know. And you'd have to think they're a long shot, but Tennessee is kind of different from the West Coast schools that he's otherwise considering. So... You always wonder if that one SEC option there might really throw a throw a, a wrench into his recruitment, and we'll see if Tennessee can make an impression on him. The other visit to watch this weekend, Anthony Grant, the Tennessee running back mm. commitment. He hasn't been on campus in a few months. He's been really quiet for the most part since the the former staff was fired. Well, he's been coaching Alabama's basketball team. He's been right, busy. exactly. I believe and, he's at I believe he's at Dayton now. Yeah, <laughs> and he's keep up, West. Come on, That's Anthony true. Grant isn't in Alabama anymore. Yeah. It's Avery Johnson. Yeah. That's true. You were Anthony way Grant actually. I talked, I talked about you and I talked about Alabama basketball for a couple minutes, just like right it, before. It hasn't before coached Alabama in a while. I know this is, he's not on his first job after Alabama. Well, he's on I, his second maybe, job after maybe Alabama. Maybe I said former, and you guys. Wait, just he, didn't he hear might it. actually be at VCU. <laughs> I don't even remember. I'm, I've been looking up West Virginia State football stuff. Will you just give me a second? Wes just tried to make the kick save when the ball already was in the net. There, um, I can't tell by the way if West Virginia State's. It's either black and gold or navy blue and gold. My eyes are pretty tired, and it looks like the their their logo is one that Georgia Tech would have used like fifty years ago. Wes so. is really stuck. Anthony on Grant is the and head coach of Dayton. They were six and five last season after a stint as an assistant with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Ryan, one question yeah. um, I have is JJ Peterson is going to Alabama this weekend. Correct? Yeah, is he there, is. Should Tennessee fans be like danger, sitting danger. sitting around and worrying about? I think Tennessee's okay there. I, I mean, I think you worry anytime. Alabama pushes four and they can't take everybody. Anybody. They can't take everybody. But no, I, I don't think that's the concern there so much. I think the I think it's just Tennessee's in good shape with him because of that relationship with Jeremy Pruitt that he talked about. He finally admitted more last weekend after the visit, you know, after trying to make it sound like it was about Sean Schamberger and 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 Jay Blakely being at Tennessee that 
as soon as 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 basically as he said it, as soon as Pruitt and, and those guys, because he knows more than one coach on Tennessee sure. staff, yeah, share shares was a big deal there. He said as soon as those guys got to Tennessee, it was I knew it was over, and and that's basically what it is. He feels such a comfort level there. Uh, he, he's a guy who I think Rush Probst, uh, his coach at Colquitt County in South Georgia, has a good enough relationship with Jeremy Pruitt and can kind of vouch for him and everything. That that's a big deal to him. So I think he feels comfortable with Tennessee, and I think Alabama. It's always been intriguing to him, but I think he sees not not only the the comfort level at Tennessee, but just the clear path to possibly playing as a true freshman uh, at Tennessee at some linebacker position. He could play almost anywhere at linebacker, so I think they're okay there. But sure, if you're Tennessee, you, you always sweat a little when it, when someone's visiting Alabama. Um, we'll see about that one. Quay Walker's the other one to watch this weekend. There are a bunch of guys visiting other schools, obviously that Tennessee is still pursuing. Uh, Quay Walker. Scheduled to visit Georgia right now. It looks like that's the still the case. There was some talk of him visiting Alabama with J.J. Peterson. They were at Tennessee together last week. If Quay Walker visits Georgia instead, you wonder if Alabama gets a visit at all, and there's really some questions about whether Alabama really has a great shot at keeping him. Some people think so. Some but he's people, currently committed to Alabama. He's still committed to Alabama, <laughs> but, yeah, people aren't sure Alabama's going to hold on to him, and if he goes to Georgia, that might be another sign that Alabama's kind of playing catch-up there. A lot of people think that one comes down to Georgia and Tennessee in the end. So definitely a lot of visits to watch, not all of them at Tennessee this weekend, but still a handful of visitors and a, and a big recruiting weekend. And we'll see what happens with Jordan Young, whether he commits on Friday. And, and, uh, and from there, you know, Tennessee still has several spots to fill. So a lot still to be determined in the final less than three weeks now before signing day. Uh, Wes, he might, he might it, go to West Virginia State. Is it that time? I think it might be that Do you have time. some music queued up for this? No, because we didn't decide what music we were going to use. I thought we were going to do uh, – that's your decision, man. I think we might be able to do that. Hey, we got Ryan. Will you just talk about another recruiting guy for about mm, twenty seconds? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll say that we'll touch on this briefly, just because the story was out there. Alex Thompson, uh, the the Wagner College quarterback that was uh, reported this week by Pete Thamel, who is apparently on the Tennessee quarterback recruiting beat because he also had the big story this summer on J.T. Shrout, who ended up signing with the Vols that people dug up after Tennessee offered him. Um, Tennessee- Wasn't he also a Shiano man too? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so not sure what the who's connection still is there. Rack, who's still just lost, 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 lost. racking but, up the offers, racking but, up the offers. But, lost, but Tennessee, lost, everybody's trying to hire Shiano. Lost, how, lost. I mean, how, how can he tell every NFL team no at the same time? It's just it's baffling. But Tennessee has offered Alex Thompson a, reportedly as a as a blue shirt. Um, that's that's an interesting development. We'll, it certainly shows they're open to adding another quarterback. It shows that that may not end on signing day because they may not necessarily look for a class of 2018 quarterback. It might be more in the transfer or grad transfer market. Um, they're also kicking the tire still on grad transfer offensive linemen. Uh, we saw where they, they visited with a, uh, a rice offensive lineman, uh, this week, uh, while Calvin uh, Anderson, Calvin right? Anderson, while real will friend was on the road in, in the Houston area, uh, checked in on him. He's got a bunch of offers. So Tennessee still has a lot of competition there, but shows they're still looking around for immediate help. And so signing day, depending on how many of the guys they sign in this class might not be the very end of recruiting in some ways, because that grad transfer, window in the spring could be pretty interesting so um going to be fascinating to watch how this class plays out down the stretch uh because Tennessee still has a lot of possibilities out there and maybe some we're not even aware of right now you know it up it it is time for uh we we're we're working on what we're going to have for the permanent music for for this hold on is this like a breaking news thing or is this like stranger things season three you should have played the west virginia state fight song is what you should have done this is the Laser Ninja. What if this is West Virginia State's fight song? It might not, be. Should be. Then we're going to have a West Virginia State 24-7 network. 
website but, coming up soon because I'm going to go start it so yeah. I can hear this song every Saturday. Uh, WVSU 247. <laughs> uh, the other jackets 24 7. Not the. Uh, not West Virginia, but West Virginia State 24-7. Yep. But this is the, the listener mail segment. We've been saying we're going to do this for a long time, guys. And uh, We are men of our word for the most part. Yeah, we're not liars. We just, you know, sometimes it takes us a little bit of time to get around to stuff. But this is going to be some listener mail. We've been taking some uh, suggestions, as usual, on the, uh, on the 24-7. Sports, Go Balls 24-7 board, the checkerboard. Are we us. going rapid fire here, or are we only picking the best? What are we doing? Uh, we'll go rapid fire first. Okay. Week. Quick answers. One for, person answer for each one. Yeah. And if you get Ryan to answer your question, I apologize in advance. Me and too. And I've been telling you guys, one question, one question per post. If you come with a list of questions, they're not all getting answered. I can't I can't be expected to read more than one line of copy at a time. <laughs> That's true. What I've do you think it. I am, a writer? Quick question here. Obviously, well, we just talked about that one. Sorry, Steve Fowler, Vol 69. We just talked about Tennessee with some defensive back prospects. A uh, question from... Uh, Did we, though? Uh, we, we didn't really get into that one too much. Okay, uh, well, then, Ryan, the floor is yours. Eddie Smith. Yeah, uh, I was I was looking at West Virginia State football stuff and yeah, changing the channel. You were too focused on West Virginia State. Uh, Eddie Smith, the three-star corner from the New Orleans area, still looks like Tennessee's best option there, but Alabama's offered. He's going to visit there next weekend. Uh, they're still battling for Elijah Griffin and Isaac Taylor Stewart, both top 50 prospects nationally. He's got three first names. He does. Uh, that's... That's another uh, what J- James Daniel the third. He's only got two first the, names. Yeah, James Daniel kind of to the next uh, level there. But you're a man. Pick two names. Yeah. So um, so yeah, there's they're still very much when in you're the, five star. You can have four first names if you want. That's true. <laughs> very much in the picture for Elijah Griffin. That's a Tennessee USC battle mainly right now. It looks like, and then Isaac Taylor Stewart, more of a long shot, but still getting the last visit, um, and, and still some other names on the board that could be uh, more in play down the stretch. But it'll be fascinating to see how how much of a shot they really can can get with with guys like Taylor Stewart. And, and if they can stay right there with USC for Griffin, that one could be interesting down the stretch. Those are clearly their top targets. Eddie Smith looks like their best option, um, but we'll see. You know How desperate are they to add a third corner in this class? You know I think they definitely want two. Um, they don't have any right now. Definitely want two, but you know can they get a third? And, and who, if so, who would it be? So definitely got some, uh, some options out there, but none that are guaranteed couple questions here from uh, our good friend long time actually maybe a day one maybe a day oneer uh, at goals 24 7 uh, Tennessee to Alaska has a couple good questions here uh, how long do you think it'll take for Pruitt and this Tennessee staff to get back in contention for the SEC East and conference titles I'll go ahead and answer that one um, let's give them at least a couple years it's gonna take some time <laughs> uh, that would be my response yes. to that uh, any 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 objections no. to that answer Answer, answer, answer. Twenty eighteen will be a honeymoon year. I'm gonna say it's not Everyone happening. Just, just, just hang on for the ride. Yeah, yeah. you get you get one honeymoon year, and, and then you know when you're at Tennessee, you're, you know, remember you were four and eight in twenty seventeen. Uh, going forward, do you think Tennessee, this new Tennessee staff's high school coaching experience will help them identify and sign top tier recruits? I don't know that it'll help them identify them anymore because I think coaches are coaches, and these guys, if they're recruiters, they're they're gonna know. The high school level, and they're going to know what they're looking at on it, film. I don't know that it matters yeah, much, but that's it'll just, help relationships. I think relationships for signing it yeah. might help. It helps relationships. I think it's an interesting thought. It's not a crazy idea, but you got to remember this too. Bob Welton, everyone thought of him as an NFL guy, the the former director of player personnel under Butch Jones. He was bef- right before coming to Tennessee a scout for the Cleveland Browns, but he also had a background as a high school coach. So it's not like 
these guys are the only ones in the industry with that kind of background. A lot of guys have, have coached at the high school level before, but it is an interesting thought. And, and like you guys said, I think it helps more with relationships, especially in the areas where they've been. Uh, and his last one is a really funny one. Will, will Fulmer take a hands-off off approach to the football program? No. No, I'm <laughs> guessing no. I'll answer that one. In a word, mm, no. He, uh, will, he will continue to meddle. I was going to say, will he meddle is the better question. I think there's no question he'll be involved. Will it be too involved? Because I don't think Pruitt's going to be the type that's going to like that very much. So nope, I would we'll agree. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, question from Humongous Vol 7, uh, how far will Georgia fall next year? Uh, I don't know that it will fall. Uh, I think there's a... Uh, obviously, the, there's a couple of backs that were some special players that are that are gone from that group. But you got a true freshman quarterback there who was really yeah, DeAndre good. DeAndre Swift was pretty good and too. You got a couple more running backs at Holyfield. All those guys coming through the pike. You know, you got to replace some guys up front. Plus, they have a, an absurd recruiting class. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get you upset there, uh, HV Seven. But I, I don't, I don't know that Georgia's going to fall. I think that's the clear cut favorite. Uh, going into the East next season, I would imagine. Uh, will Garantano get a true competition at quarterback? Yes, he will, because uh, there is a new coaching staff and every spot is available. Now, will anyone be good enough to give him true competition? Remains to be seen. Uh, we'll have to see there. There's certainly uh, there's some questions, as we mentioned earlier, about how McBride will fit in this system. So uh, we'll not go. it also could be a personality thing. We don't know how these guys are going to mess with this new staff, and, and we'll have to see how spring practice goes for a start. Uh, last one, uh, over-under on seven games for next year. I have a little bone to pick with this. If you're going to pick an over-under, give me a .5, .5 in there. Yeah. Uh, but, I would uh, set the over-under at 6.5. That's where I would put it, probably. Uh, I think I think a 6-6 six and six season is totally acceptable and probably should be the expectation for this team going in without having seen what it might look like on the field at all. But I think seven wins is possible it's if a things tough, go well. Tough schedule. Tough yeah. schedule. 6-6 six and six should never be an acceptable season for Tennessee. But it would be a, it would be a positive first step for, for this where this step. roster is. I think it is an acceptable starting and, point. And this roster will have, um, we'll see where this class winds up. But they've got one top fifteen class, one top twenty class, and then the fragmented, ragged remains of that number four class from twenty fifteen. I think we counted if there if Chance Hall can't continue his career, I think they may be down to eleven guys from that class, which is. Attrition. Ridiculous, because there was a thirty. That was about a thirty-player class. Not a lot of not a lot of life in that VFL. Just kind of a vol for a couple of years kind of class there. Well, you had you know Camaro was in that class. He was two and done. You had some. He's know, a VFL. The early entry guys. Uh, Kelly was in that class. McKenzie was in that class. You had a lot of transfers from that group. Preston Williams was one of them. Another one of the highly rated guys that transferred. Other guys just really, you know, Kyle Phillips and Drew Richmond were highly rated guys that haven't quite lived up to that yet and yeah i think that's fair I'll, we, I'll probably dive into that more next week we'll go with a couple more questions here one is uh tennessee football related one the other one's off topic and i like to end with an off topic one so that'll be fun uh, a quick smurf wants to know is jeremy pruitt being allowed to make all the necessary changes within the program to compete with bama georgia etc uh, what I mean is the inside structure of those two programs. I hope that makes sense. It absolutely does make sense, Quick Smurf. Uh, that's a very good question. Mm -hmm. It takes a village. First thing John Calipari said when he got to Kentucky, one of the first things Nick Saban said when he got to Alabama, it takes a village and because so, it does. And something Fulmer has said and Pruitt said, you got to have everybody going in the right direction. And uh, I think Fulmer was asked about it at Pruitt's introduction, something along the lines of, of will the structure be the same as, as what Pruitt had at Alabama where you've got an army of – 
support staff people from analysts to graduate assistants mm-hmm. to quality control assistants. And uh, we saw Butch Jones kind of step up the game there with some of those support yeah. staff roles. I mean, they had a couple of guys that were former college assistants. They had a couple of guys that were former assistant position coaches in the NFL that were quality control guys this past year. Uh, we'll have to see. I mean, I think they're they're making a pretty good financial commitment to this coaching staff. And yeah, so this you, staff's going to get a lot more than the previous one. Did. And so you would think that they might they would be open to it. We'll have to see how much turnover Pruitt has, especially in the recruiting office, because mm-hmm. that's he's going to be. Ferdy wants to make several changes. He's going to be a recruiting grinder. His staff is going to be recruiting grinders, and that's going to take some what of an overhaul. Yep, they. Uh, I think they 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 definitely know what they want to do there. But yeah, that's people were wondering about his comments in his press conference earlier this month about um, not having a staff fully in place till like the end of February. He wasn't talking about the coaching staff with that. He was talking more about the support staff. Obviously, his full time coaching staff is full now, um, so attention now shifts to getting those other positions filled. And I think he still feels he has some important hires to make. So yeah, it'll be fascinating. But I've heard of nothing that would indicate Tennessee is not going to be fully committed to bringing in the guys they need to, to compete with Alabama. I think the, fine, the the money should be there. I mean, I think they feel they've got what they need. Uh, it's just a matter of who they can get for the positions they intend to, to hire for. And uh, I'll say this. I've not heard a single thing to this point that indicates anything like Tennessee being or, or Pruitt being told no because someone costs too much money. I've not. Yeah. I, I think that's one. Of, that's going to be one of the main benefits of having a guy like Philip Fulmer as the athletic director is if you go to him and say, listen, football needs this, uh, this football program needs this right now, at the very least he will listen to you, and if you make a compelling case, he will go find the money because he wants to win. He wants to be the athletic director who gets things going and turned around. They beat Bam again. That's what Philip Fulmer wants more than anything in this world. So I think if it's possible, uh, Tennessee will do it. I don't know if anyone's going to pay what Alabama's going to pay right now, but, hey, that's – they're, they're, they're doing a lot of chess fee checkers with a lot of other people right now. Uh, but Georgia's done a lot of things to get in that direction, and that's one thing those Saban guys uh, do very, very well is they, uh, they know from working with him just how much of a structure that is around those things, and that is an important, important, important part of being a top-tier football program in this era. So uh, we'll end this, and I, let me make sure I know who's asking this one because it was a fun question. It was from UT Bull, who asked, uh, what is everyone's favorite sports movie and why? Ooh, Mm, good question. I debate this one a lot and pretty much have it broken down by sports, so picking one is tough. Okay, then throw throw out a couple, but no more, no more than three. Yeah, okay, so football, I guess I would go remember the Titans. Fair. Maybe a simple one. A lot of people have it at the top of their list, but I – it's the one that I can watch over and over and, and no problems with that one. Attitude reflect leadership. Patrick? Um, I'll say my football one is Friday Night Lights. That's a good one, too. Really good book, too, by the way. My yes, son- and because it also spawned the TV series, which I was I yeah. like the TV series. Texas Forever. Oddly enough, I've never watched the TV series like all the way through. I need to actually commit myself. Well, you've never seen that. The Office either, so that's not surprising. Yeah, uh, I would say honestly, my one of my favorite basketball movies. I mean, I got to throw Hoosiers on there. Right. I really like Space Jam. Yeah, just because just the hilarity of seeing like a young, slim Charles Barkley chumming it up with like Sean Bradley and Muggsy Bogues and Bill yeah. Murray and Patrick Ewing and Bill Murray is in there. Larry Bird makes a cameo. Plus, it's like Michael John. Uh, it's like Michael Johnson. So it's like Michael Jordan, like. 
you know, you know, when the monsters are like talking trash to him, they ball him up into like a basketball. Like you don't trash talk Michael Jordan. Like they should have known that by now, by that point. So right. that's a that's one of my that's those are the ones that I'm. I, I'll throw in two more that are sort of maybe not offbeat. It's weird. I'm not a boxing fan at all, but a lot of my or a few of my favorite sports movies are boxing related, and one of them is Cinderella Man. That's a pretty good movie. Big big fan of that one. Um, and it's it's uh, boxing isn't the whole story, obviously. So that's. And and you, Wes, you just pulled up on on the screen another one of my favorites, all time favorites, is Million Dollar Baby. It's a, yeah. it's 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 one that, it's a gut puncher. So it's not the most uplifting movie in, in some ways, but it's just a very good movie. The other one though, I will mention, and I wish it, I wish I could say it's a Netflix recommend, but it's not on Netflix to my knowledge. But more people should see it. It's it's one a lot of people probably had never seen. It's called Sugar. It came out less than a decade ago, I believe. You- and bastard that was going to be one of mine it's a fantastic baseball movie that was that sort absolutely of a, was going to be one of mine. yeah it was sort of a limited Great movie it was sort of a limited release thing and it is like i love field of dreams i love a lot of baseball movies but you know even Moneyball more recently is a, a fun one but sugar to me is is one of the more authentic sports movies that was really really good and worth watching yeah sugar was a really good one so if i can't say sugar i will uh Go a little cliche and say the natural. I think that's that's a good one. Grew up watching that one a lot. Always, always one of my favorites uh, because this one has also not been thrown in here. Uh, I'm going to throw in Rocky because I think it needs to be mentioned. Uh, not certainly to mention. not Rocky three. Not Rocky three. Actually, just kidding. Rocky three was fine. It's Rocky five that was the really really bad one. <laughs> which, I haven't seen one? the I haven't seen the newer one. Good. It was good. It's yeah. like surprisingly good. Yeah, it, I think it's on Amazon Prime too for free right now. Okay. So, so check that out. And uh, I, I will throw in uh, randomly. I will throw in a movie that I can almost guarantee you neither one of y'all has seen. Maybe Patrick, but I doubt it. Uh, it is actually a soccer movie, and it came from England. And it's just a good, just a good movie. It's been like Beckham, isn't it? No, <laughs> that, that's actually not a bad movie. Uh, I could defend that movie. It was not a bad movie, but uh, I will say that uh, the Damned United is one of my favorite movies of any I've genre heard good things of about all it. time. I've it's, never heard of it. It's a great. People think it's about Manchester United. It's actually about Leeds United. But you don't even have to like soccer, and you don't even really have to like sports to like the movie. It's a, you know, it's got some moneyballish kind of vibes about it. Just a different way to look at the game, and it's a good kind of. You know, just a good classic sports story, and you don't have to like soccer to like it. So that's another uh, one. If you like, if you like the actor from Frost Nixon, he's he plays the oh, yeah. the, the main guy in the movie. So it's a it's just a very very good movie. That's so. another more recent one that I would recommend too. Moneyball. Even I though I really can't believe you would be the person to say Sugar when I was going to throw I, drop that. I'm one, sorry. You? It's it literally is. It's my, a great. It's movie. my favorite baseball movie hands down. It's really really good. Um, but uh, Moneyball more recently, it has some things that are completely false about it that i hate that it twisted from the book and reality but it yeah is a the good book movie. the book is the book is outstanding yeah but and it i is. would recommend anyone who owns a business to read the book it's just it, it's a it's a really fascinating way to 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 look at not just baseball or sports but business or anything yeah you're doing. it's 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 a good movie though still still very much worth watching i really can't believe you did that after all that west virginia state knowledge i dropped on you that's how you sorry you thank me <laughs> <sighs> well guys thanks for thanks for uh thanks for tuning in thanks for sending in the uh Thanks for sending in the, the questions. We appreciate that. We've been we've been talking about doing that, and we were glad to do that. Glad we could do it on a week where we go like way over an hour on the podcast. Yeah, that's gonna happen sometimes. There was a lot of news because we had a we had a plan, a structure for this one, sorta, and then Jawan Jennings happens like right before we hit record. So, Wes, do you have anything else to add? I wish no. Sugar's a really good movie. Go watch it. <laughs>